Well, if you haven't already, turn to Second Peter 2, 1, 2, 3. We enter into the challenging section on false teachers. I was telling somebody it might take me four weeks to get through. That could be laborious, talking about false teachers that much, but it's something that's important and something that's rarely preached on. And so I think it will be uh, good and beneficial for us. So um, let's, let's pray before we read God's Word. Father, we do pray that you would protect your people uh, from wolves and sheep's clothes. And by your Spirit's uh, work, may we hear this morning the voice of the Great Shepherd and follow him. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and read first, second Peter, one, two, one through three. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow in their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words, Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Amen. may be seated. It kind of actually came up in Sunday school a little bit this morning. Stan was talking about the, if it rhymes, it might be true, you know, the songs. And I, I often think of something that I call a certain flavor, and maybe this is ungracious, but... K-Love Christianity, <laughs> this Christianity that just kind of, if it's on the Christian radio or if it's in the Christian bookstore, it's okay. If it's Christian, well, it's probably good. If it's a Christian movie, it's probably worthwhile. It's probably good teaching. Um, and we learned last week, you know, he said, no prophecy was ever produced of man. So he said, you can have confidence in, in the scripture and you can have confidence in these teachings of the apostles. Um, But we have to be aware as we go through life that there is such a thing as false prophecy, false teaching. He says in verse 1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So Jeremiah has a great description of these false prophets from the Old Testament. In chapter 23 he says, God says, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. (coughs) False preachers have been and always will be a, a burden and a blight on the church. And it's our responsibility to watch out for them, to keep a keen eye out for their presence, and to avoid them. So this morning we have... Um, i break it down into seven reasons to avoid false teachers. Seven reasons to avoid false teachers, or you could call them seven identifying marks of false teachers. The first one is that they are sneaky. False teachers are sneaky. It says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. 
who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So they're sneaky. They're among us, he says. They're not from outside. They rise up from within the church. Paul warns the Ephesian elders of this. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So the conclusion there is, they're sneaky. They're among us. They're within our own midst. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Notice he says that they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Calvin says, By these words he points out the craftiness of Satan and of all the ungodly who militate under his banner, that they would creep in by oblique turnings and through burrows underground. That's where I got the title for the sermons. Tunneling Serpents. And he says, the more watchful then ought the godly to be so that they may escape their hidden frauds. For however they may insinuate themselves, they cannot circumvent those who are carefully vigilant. So we must be vigilant. We must watch out. These people walk through the door in a very likable, attractive manner into our churches. They may even be elders or pastors in our churches. Uh, that's why I, I like the, the rigor that I'm having to face with Presbytery. It weeds out some of those, though it does not weed all of them out. I also love the guide rails of the creeds and confessions. In the same way there can be a man who confesses all the creeds and confessions and still is a wolf, but it certainly serves to weed out the false ones. And moreover, it serves to inform the sheep. So the sheep are will benefit much by reading knowing, memorizing the creeds and confessions because they have those guide rails to keep the leaders in check. Uh, The second reason we want to avoid false teachers is that they teach damaging doctrines. He says, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They teach damaging doctrines. Uh, People often don't believe that doctrine matters today. Um, But the truth is that doctrine has the power to root us in truth, and doctrine has the power to damn. Doctrine matters. Doctrine is important. The teaching or doctrine that these people promote is, Peter says, destructive. It actually affects people's lives. We remember Arius. He was this well-liked, esteemed elder in the church of Alexandria. He's trying his best to define who Christ is, but he took it farther than the Bible allowed. And this caused a major upheaval in the church, a major split, probably over 50%, or it, was a, it wasn't just like a little faction. This was a big deal. Similar with the modernist controversy in the 1920s we, with uh, um, Machen. You know, modernists rejected the core doctrines of Christianity. And, and that was within Reformed Presbyterian circles. Now, out of both of these events emerged major victories. Satan can't claim victory in those situations. Nicaea, you got the council and the creed. Nicaea, Athanasius emerged against the world. Um, in, with the modernist controversy, we got the OPC, which we can all be thankful in many ways descendants of, and Westminster Seminary. 
Uh, but likewise, it also caused major divisions, and they remain in the church today as a result. Uh, fractions who are less faithful. The Arians, in many ways, still exist. Uh, the PCUSA, in, in large part, is very liberal. And uh, many are, are damned today thinking that they are Christians. So doctrine is indeed damaging, and false teachers teach these damaging doctrines. He also calls them heresies. Um, I've been kind of working with Cohen a little bit on learning how to play chess. And, you know, he can, well, he could, last time we worked on it, name the pieces and kind of where the, how they move. Um, but if we, if we get into playing a game, we pretty much make up rules, and it doesn't look anything like chess. And I've been going through a book on the creeds with a friend and, by Justin Holcomb, and he, he talks about how it, rules define the game. If you're playing a game but you don't play by the rules, you're not playing that game. Heresy, uh, the word in, in Greek in the first century, it doesn't have the same connotation that we have today of the negative um, stipulation. It's, it just means something different, some, something else. Heretical teaching is something outside the bounds of orthodoxy. It's not playing the game anymore. It's a different game. It's not the orthodox historical Christian teaching. And it is thus damaging. It moves us away from Christ and from his benefits, away from the true gospel, away from the church and from truth and from joy and what the Bible really says and away from true contentment. And it moves us towards selfishness and greed and a gospel of self-help. So it takes discernment, but we can identify false teaching. And one of the big questions we can ask ourselves is, does this teaching promote men or does it promote Christ? We see this in the third reason to avoid false teachers, uh, and that is they do not really belong to Jesus. They do not belong to Jesus. He says, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So Peter identifies these teachers as false because they promote man. They promote a kind of uh, Epicurean licentiousness or uh, open, unrepentant sin. Um, and for the person who claims Christ to, to promote unrepentant sin is to deny Christ. That's what he means when he says denying the master who bought them. is that they're promoting licentiousness. They're promoting sin even though they claim Christ, that they claim the name of Christ. And in so doing, they deny Christ. Romans 6 is a good passage on this. It says, Romans 6, uh, 15 and 16. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So, essentially, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve Christ as master and sin as master at the same time. To promote sinful lifestyles while also claiming to possess and promote the cross of Christ is to trample on the blood of Christ and deny the master who paid the price. So we should repent, uh, as Christians, we should repent of doing that, of trampling on the blood of Christ, because every time we sin, we do that to the blood of Christ. But false teachers, they bring it to a whole another level. 
Christian failure is one thing, but teaching people to sin that grace may abound is a fundamental rejection of the gospel and a demonstration that they are not united to the vine. And many people today teach such gospels. Uh, One, pick on somebody, unwittingly, I think, that you know, a lot of times, Kevin DeYoung pointed this out, that a lot of times false teachers don't know they're false teachers. They are doing it unwittingly. But I think the kind of easy believist, say a prayer, ask Jesus into your heart types are doing this unwittingly. And we know many victims of this personally. Um, you, they, they preach that you can believe in Jesus, but there's no call to obedience or repentance or lordship of Christ, and no putting on the new man, and yet somehow they're saved because they said a prayer. It's painful to say because we have friends and family who espouse unrepentant sin in various forms, but that is not true Christianity. John says in 1 John that whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Romans 1 says though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. So open licentiousness and confession of Christ as Lord do not go together. You can only serve one master. The fourth reason to avoid false teachers is that they trick the multitudes. They trick the multitudes. You know, if we don't know what to do, we often will follow the crowd. If we don't know what movie to watch or... Um, what crock pot to buy, we'll get on Amazon and we'll see how many, if there's five stars and how many reviews, and if there's 350 reviews at 4.5 stars, then it's good. We follow the crowd where there's some security in that. Peter says, and many will follow their sensuality. So it's rare that a teacher of truth will draw a great crowd. And in fact, a great crowd is probably an attribute of false teachers more than it is of true teachers. Uh, there's 7.5 billion people on earth. How many are regenerate Christians? So an estimate that 1.2 people, billion people confess Christ, um, but that includes Catholics and, and all the, the rest, probably the cults as well. Um, only a very small percentage of confessing Christians are probably actually regenerate Christians. I would think maybe 1-2% to of the world might be, just off the top of my head, Christians. Ligonier came out with a study, uh, recently a study of American, uh, what is it, the temperature of of theology in America or something like that. And the section on um, evangelicals is is kind of heartbreaking. Only 81% of American evangelicals strongly agree that God counts a person righteous, not because of one's works, but only because of one's faith in Christ. Now, 38% believe God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And and here, here this one, this one's terrifying. 73% strongly agree that Jesus is the first and greatest created being by God, with an additional five percent agreeing somewhat and three percent not sure that's 81 percent of evangelical christians are functional arians 
Now don't mishear me. I, these people are not all heretics to be cast off by us into eternal flames. I think that's important to recognize. We can be quick to condemn confused Christians. Um, and we can, that, that's not always wise. I think we need to be gracious. But we can be a little bit harder on the false teachers. These poor people are victims of false teachers and people who have led the sheep astray. He says, many will follow in their sensuality, but we must not follow. Attractiveness in presentation should not be a consideration in the teachings we follow, but truth and truth alone. John 10 says, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, uh, the ESV uses the word uh, sensuality here, which in English kind of has the connotation of uh, pleasure, sexual pleasure, or pleasure taken in through the senses. Um, and, And that's a good translation of the word there, that many will follow in their sensuality. Other translations, though, KJV, pernicious way, or um, shameful ways, or debauched lifestyles. I like that one. Uh, in the Greek, the word is somewhat uncertain, really, what it means, but it's probably something like unpleasantness or exciting disgust. It, it's something gross. So, so it seems to me that the word it has more to it than just kind of sex appeal that's drawing these people, but that's probably the, is the emphasis of the word. Um, so it's this sensual, sensuality or debauched lifestyle which Peter says many will follow. And that's kind of always the case. Sex and money draw a crowd. You know, we, people, people say, look at these people. They have Jesus, and they're also having a good time. You know, sex outside of marriage, uh, loving, monogamous, homosexual relationships, you know, drunkenness maybe in just moderation, but a little bit of drunkenness. Um, you know, you can have a sensational, wonderful, personal relationship with Jesus without the trappings of the church. You can have health, wealth, and prosperity without a cross. You can have self-help, self-esteem, self-worth, and Jesus as your as your co-pilot. That all that is attractive to people. Paul teaches uh, that word. We talked about this on Wednesday. We are few Wednesdays ago, we can judge within the body. We're called as Christians to judge within the body. So it doesn't bother me in the least to call out these things in the church. But we do need to remove the logs from our own eyes first. So we have to ask ourselves, where are we tempted to follow in the sensuality of false teachers? What lies do we find personally attractive? I wrote a list for myself. I won't share it with you. I'll allow you to write your own list. But I was a little bit surprised at how influenced I still am by the American gospel. I'm an entitled person. I think I'm owed certain things. So I commend doing that as an exercise because by trying to identify the presence of demonic lives lives in our lives, and we all have them, we'll be better prepared to stand against those crafty, sneaky schemes of the devil. That, that's what Calvin calls us to, vigilance, being aware of what things we're prone to. 
The fifth reason to avoid false teachers is that they tarnish the truth. They tarnish the truth. Peter says, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So again, these teachers are Christian in name. They are among us. They are denying the master who bought them. Peter describes Christianity as the way of truth. This is, this is not the way of our opinion. This is not, um, you know, just kind of following after our own desires. Christianity is the way of truth because it's from God. And this way of truth is tarnished by false teachers. or It causes blasphemy. The enemies of God, because of the false teachers, have good reason and just reason to attack Christianity. They can scoff at the title, Way of Truth. And just to kind of pick at some low-hanging fruit, when Creflo Dollar asks for money for a private jet, or when Benny Hinn stays in $20,000 a night hotel rooms, even believers can see the hypocrisy in that. Lamentations is striking. If you want to turn there, it's a little bit longer. Lamentations 2, 13 through 16. Lamentations 2, 13 through 16. Prophet Jeremiah lamenting. What can I say for you? To what compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken you to you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss, they gnash their teeth, they cry, We have swallowed her. Ah, this is the day we long for. Now we have it. We see it. You see that the false prophets were just giving them visions that, that made them feel good. They weren't calling out their sin, which God says if they would have called out their, their sin, they would have restored their fortunes. But as, as it is, the enemies of God have opportunity to mock, to blaspheme God. So false teachers tarnish the holy name of God. They make Christianity look bad. They bring low the mighty name of God and bring ruin to the church. And we can't join arms with such people. Um, this is kind of a little specific, <laughs> but I think it's important. Paul names names. Um, there was a community worship um, event a few months ago, and Michael and Brian and I kind of talked about it. And, and part of it was they included New Creation Church in this event. And I did a fair amount of looking at 
New Creation Church, and from what I can gather, there are strictly word of faith. They had uh, Kenneth Hagen a while back visit their church, which he's a known prosperity gospel preacher. There's a husband and wife pastor team over there. So we decided we can't link arms with such people in unity. We want to be unified with our brothers and sisters across denominational lines. But there becomes a point where we have to say no. We have to draw lines. We can't join arms with those who tarnish the way of truth. Now again, we need to be aware of condemning our friends who are caught up in such movements. Uh, I have dear friends who are caught up in the movement of, of Bethel Church, if you're aware of that, or Bill Johnson, who I believe is a, a, a heretic, uh, but I don't believe my friends are heretics. I think they're trying to seek Jesus as faithfully as they can, and they are confused by these teachings. So we need to be careful, but we need to also draw lines. The sixth reason we should avoid false teachers is that they soothe itching ears for gain. They soothe itching ears for gain. Uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah were prophets who did not soothe itching ears. They actually spoke from God. They refused to say what people wanted to hear. And they did expose the iniquity of the people. One of the greatest stories in Jeremiah is when he when God comes and has Jeremiah, he's going to write down this book of all the prophecies and he calls Baruch and he dictates this book to him and he brings the scroll into the assembly and he reads it before the assembly and, and Jehoiakim, is it, or Kin, one of those kings, hears word of it and he has him bring it in and it's winter time and he's sitting there in front of the fire pot and, and the guy reads in the scroll and he reads a little bit and the king cuts it off with a knife and puts it in the fire reads a little more, cuts it off, puts it in the fire. The king did not want to hear what Jeremiah had to say, and this was the word of God. But Jeremiah spoke what no one wanted to hear. Verse 24 of chapter 36, and Jeremiah says that the king and the others, that they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments. And God was warning them, Babylon is going to come and smite you. They didn't care. Jeremiah and the other true prophets spoke God's word, and not their own, no matter the consequences. The false prophets, on the other hand, are not so. They say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. The same is true of false teachers today. He said, Peter says, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. So their teaching is not about truth-telling, it's not about God's word, or bearing witness, it's getting what they want. Quite literally here, that word exploit is, is that they're, they'll sell your soul for profit. The word is as the idea of trafficking or trading or dealing in. They deal in souls and they will exploit you with false words. They will take advantage of the Christian because they're greedy for their own gain. They'll lie through their teeth. teeth. They'll... they'll as sleazy salesmen or con artists, they'll say what it takes to win us over. They'll find our felt needs and use them as footholds and leverages against us. Paul warns of this in Second Timothy. He says in ch- chapter 3, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, 
brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having their appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Avoid such people, is what Paul says. Jehoiakim wanted yes-men. That's all he wanted, is yes-men around him. That's really what we want, naturally, is to accumulate yes-men as friends and advisors. And it's unnatural for us to search out a teacher who will tell us things that we would rather not hear. Again, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itch, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Let us not be those people who accumulate for ourselves teachers who tell us what we want to hear. In the, the day that the whims of men dictate what I teach above the word of God, you need to fire me. The office of elder, pastor, New Testament prophet is to reprove, to correct, to train in righteousness, not in man's wisdom, but expounding the breathed out word of God. It's to point out the sin in us and to point us to the perfection of Christ alone. I like the, the prayer, the, it's called the convicting spirit. Um, from the Valley of Vision. <clears throat> and it begins, Come, work repentance in my soul. Represent sin to me in its odious colors that I may hate it. And it concludes, Perceiving nothing in myself, may I find Christ in Christ wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's the role of the Word of God. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So if a teacher is stimulating your ego, he is probably trying to sell you something. The truth of God's word should always carry with it that sweet sting of conviction of sin exposed. And, and because we know that it's covered by the blood of Christ and by the cross and that we have been given the freedom to overcome that sin. I, I like Michael, he, he pointed out the other night, we were talking about how challenging this book we're going through is and, and I mentioned we don't want to feel guilty and he pointed out we we can be convicted without feeling guilt there's a difference there's the sweet sting of conviction of the Holy Spirit and there's guilt whereby we reject the blood of Christ finally the seventh reason to avoid false teachers is that they will be uh, cast off they will be cast off. Verse 3, Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And also he said in verse 1, that they're bringing upon themselves strict, uh, swift destruction. And I don't want to belabor this point too much because he gets really into fine detail in the coming verses and we'll get there, but it's true, they will face judgment for what they teach. And that, that phrase, condemnation from long ago, is tricky. Uh, but I think it simply means they fall into this long line of false prophets and false teachers who stood condemned. Um, because both here and in Jude, these false teachers 
are said to have been condemned from long ago. Uh, and both of these statements are, are followed in both Second Peter and Jude by these Old Testament examples of false prophets. In, the men in the days of Noah received their just recompense, the men from Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the redeemed of Israel from the Exodus who then turned their back on God, all of these people. And, and these false teachers of today stand in that same tradition. Jude one through uh, Jude four and five is kind of illuminating here. It gives us a little bit more clarity, I think, to what Peter's saying. He says, "For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were destined for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God to sen- into sensuality, and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ." Now I want to remind you, although once you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So I think what he means by that their condemnation from long ago is that justice will be served to them, as it has always been served to those who disturbed the people of God uh, with destructive heresy. And I think it's probably also true that these men and false teachers were destined by the decree of God for this purpose. Now Peter's point here as he warns against these false teachers is simply to say, uh, we do not want to be connected with these people. <laughs> that we, do, we don't want this to share their fate. It says, as Solomon teaches in Proverbs, he says to his son, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down into the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We have, will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain a net is spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So the condemnation of the false teachers is, is that. They're condemning themselves in their greed. And we do not want to be caught up and carried away with them to share their fate. Their condemnation is sure. It is not asleep. It is not idle. Though it may appear at times to us to be idle, it is sure. So, avoid false teachers. Avoid them because they are sneaky. They're teaching damaging truth. They don't belong to Jesus. They trick the multitudes. They cause blasphemy. They lie in wait to get what they want. And they will be cast off. So we need to be like the noble Bereans, who, who receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Avoid the t- false teachers, but at the same time also the obvious converse, cling fiercely to the faith, faith once for all delivered to the saints. I think we can have the, the opposite reaction. We see all the false teaching in the world and we just reject all truth. But the Bereans received the word with all eagerness and they checked it out to see if it was so. 
Avoid false teachers, cling fiercely to the faith once for all delivered to the saints. As Peter has been teaching us, we have the apostolic testimony, we have the sure word of the prophets, and so we can be confident. Amen. Amen.